Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Why, hello there. Welcome across America. It is Eric Erickson here in the Eric Erickson Show. The phone number, if you want to be on the show, is 877-973-7425. Got a lot of people been waiting on the folds. There's a lot of deep hatred in America, at least among my listeners, <laughs> on solar panels. But I have a listener who actually wants to defend solar panels, and I want to go to him next. Jacob, welcome to the Eric Erickson Show. How are you? I'm good, Eric. How are you? Good. All right. So <laughs> there are a lot of people fired up about solar panel talk, but uh, my call screener says you will actually uh, offer a defense of solar panels. Well, just sharing my experience, um, it, it, it very much is an individual thing. You know, if you have trees in your yard, which which way your house faces to install the panels and all that. But um, so my experience, the company we went with, uh, there was no upfront cost. Uh, we were able to completely finance the panels. So I basically substituted my power bill for my solar bill. Um, we, we have the, the tax credit uh, at least for the next year or two. Uh, hopefully they, they, they re-up it at the end of 2023, I think. Um, and so, yeah, my, you know, I, I still do have a power bill a little bit because we have a net metering system. It's a give and take with the, with power grid. And, you know, after, after my, my payment term is over, I, I, I basically don't have a power bill anymore. So, and then of course you can buy a battery and all that stuff. So it, it, it again, very much an individual, uh, an individualized thing, but it's, it made sense for us. We're, we're in the, about the middle of the middle class. So, um, yeah. I, okay. I so let, let me, if you don't mind, anybody let me to look into it, walk you through this one, walk me through this one. So, uh, you, you, you have a little bit of a power bill because it is some like at night, obviously you're pulling off the power grid because the solar panels aren't generating energy, but during the day, during the heat of the day in particular, um, the solar panels are, so you're paying, uh, something to essentially, is it a lease or a payment plan for the solar panels? Um, but then you right. also so get a tax it, it, credit that offsets. Correct. Okay. Now yeah. on the tax credit, is it, is it something that you then, when you file your taxes, that credit comes back to you then, or, or is it something that you can take monthly? No, it's done it during tax time. Okay. All right. Okay, so it, it, look, it, it works for you guys. That's good. Um, and so that's pretty much so. Now, what you were paying for your power with solar panels, is it basically you're still paying about the same amount or slightly less, but then you have the tax credit, or or has it been a noticeable drop? No, it's a noticeable drop. Um, you know, my, my solar bill pretty much replaced my power bill. Um, I, I still have to pay. I still get a bill from my power company. Um, there's a little bit of, of, of a balance on it, uh, every month, but it is, I'd say, uh, conservatively 80 to 90% less, you know, oh, I'm nice. paying very little on my power bill. Um, basically and substituted my solar bill for my, for my power bill for my solar bill. And then at the end of my payment period, I, I, I basically don't have much of a power bill anymore. Okay, so now my last question for you. Um, not to put you on the spot here, but thank you for calling in to, to talk about this. Um, so do you live in a newer development or an older development? Newer. 
Okay. All right. I, that, that was my guess because, you know, so many of the older neighborhoods, particularly in Atlanta where everybody, and this is, I guess, the thing about Atlanta, I mean, if its nickname is the city in trees, I mean, when you fly over, it looks like you're landing in the woods. Some of those older neighborhoods, I don't know that, that solar panels will work there. Now, but in the newer neighborhoods where you don't necessarily have, you've got more landscaping and they, a lot of it are the neighborhoods where they've leveled the ground, cleared the trees, rebuilt and re-landscaped. I guess it would work. I, and that's part of the problem too, is those older communities. Like for example, my parents live out in rural Louisiana with a bunch of pecan trees around them. There's no way it would work for them either. But I mean, it sounds like you're getting a good deal though. I, I would say go for it, um, particularly as long as the tax credit's going. Uh, so thank you for the information on that. That's really useful. But I mean, again, the, this kind of gets to the issue of um, of where they work and who they work for. And if you can afford to get to the tax credit uh, once a year on your taxes, uh, yeah, um, look, I, 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 and for those of you who think Jacob's like Gall and PR, no, this is my friends who have them tell me their power bill goes down. They have a payment. But overall, they're still saving a lot of money. Uh, and if so if it works for you, it works for you. And, and God bless you for, for doing it. It saves you money. I wish I could get them on my house, frankly. But I'm not going to cut down my trees. And if you live in an older place. Now, I mentioned the Atlanta thing. Here's the thing. If you ever fly into Atlanta, I don't care if you're listening to Springfield, Illinois right now. If you're listening out in, in um, Oregon on one of our affiliates out there. Yeah, Oregon, you're you're probably in a similar situation. You got a lot of trees. If you fly into Atlanta, you look like you're landing in the woods. There, Atlanta is known as the city of trees. That's not me making that up. It's actually a real thing, because in Atlanta they're very protective of their trees. So a lot of the neighborhoods keep trees, and in fact, if you cut down trees, you're obligated to replace those trees. So. Unless you're in a newer development where there aren't a lot of tall trees, solar panels aren't going to work. And in fact, in the southeast, windmills and in parts of the southeast, solar panels just frankly aren't going to work. You've either got to clear out um, pine crop uh, and, and, and replace it with solar panels where people have been growing pine trees for paper. Or, you, you, I mean, you, you got to find some way to make it work. The problem also is, as, as Jacob noted, at night, he's still using the power grid. In the daytime, you can use the solar panels. Well, when it's cloudy and rainy, the solar panels during the day aren't going to work. And as we move more and more to a power that is solar and wind, we're going to have problems. A listener actually just sent me this article. It's from the centersquare.com. And what it says is that customers in Georgia are going to wind up paying higher energy rates uh, as Georgia Power continues to move towards decarbonization and going more towards other renewable energy and including nuclear energy, now, this is a this is from August nineteenth. Um, Georgia Power has two point six million customers in the Peach State, in one hundred fifty five of one hundred fifty nine counties. They own 14,541 megawatts of regulated generation assets, including coal, gas, hydroelectric, nuclear, oil, and solar. 43.7% of Georgia Power's energy comes from gas and oil. 33.6% is from coal, 13.6% from nuclear, 92 from hydro and other renewables. In its 2022 Integrated Resource Plan, which the Georgia Service Commission approved July 21st of this year, they asked to retire 36 
uh, or 3,600 megawatts of coal and oil fire generation by 2028. They're replacing it with more economical generation and generated in transmission infrastructure as it turns to power sources with lower carbon emissions. The problem here is going all in on uh, solar panels and wind, particularly wind in the southeast, uh, doesn't work as well. Uh, but then a lot of solar with the amount of, I mean, we've had afternoon showers at my house. Now, for some reason, and God's got a sense of humor, we've literally had like severe thunderstorms everywhere except right over my house for the last couple of weeks. I've got my sprinkler system on because we're getting the clouds, but not the rain. The rain is a, rain's dumping on Philip's house and not my house. It's very annoying. Nonetheless, I move on. All right. Let me go to another call here. Um, Dickie, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show. Yeah, Herrick, welcome. Uh, I'm a first-time caller, but I listen for a long time. Well, thank listening you. To the, listening to the last caller, I was offered the same deal as he had. One thing that they told me, okay, if power goes out, I will still have power from my solar power. Somehow it will have a system that saves the power. Okay, I'm just in it maybe about maybe about four months now. And the first rainstorm we get the other day, my power goes out. The power goes out, everything goes out. I call him, I say, hey, look, you said that um, I will have power even if power goes out. How comes I, everything is out? And what what they sold us on is that we would have they would put something there that will store power. If we don't use it enough, if we store more than we use, we'll sell it back to Georgia Power. So we are still connected to the, to the power, and the power bill would go down very low. Mm-hmm. Right now, I found out I'm paying two bills. Last month, I pay almost the same for power as I pay and uh, solar power. Huh. Now, one good thing I see that, you know, I, we live in one of the newer neighborhoods. We don't have power. We don't have problem with the trees. But mm-hmm. rainstorm, anywhere around, everything goes out. They came, they checked the house, they, they redo the roof and everything, and they send inspectors out and check it and say it's fine. They recover the roof. No pay at all. Okay. But the bill is over 30 years. And each time we pay, it will be lower. One of these days they said we won't pay anymore and we will totally off the grid from power service. But right now it's not working. I call maybe about 20 times. Yeah, Nobody's it, answering. You know, and this is, this is something that depending on how they set it up. So the way the power is supposed to work is your excess solar goes off to George Power's grid. And by the way, uh, George Power stuck with, with paying for that power. And uh, what the solar panels companies have fought is having to pay for the line upkeep for George Power saying we want to be off the grid. Problem is that if, if, the people who are flowing their solar power to Georgia Power aren't also paying for upkeep of those lines. It's stuck on the rest of us, even though they're technically using them. But they're also, for when it's raining or when it's dark, have to flow through from Georgia Power. So if it's nighttime and the power goes out and Georgia Power goes out, well, you're not going to have power either unless you have a battery backup in your house. And if you don't have the battery backup, there's there's nothing anybody, including 
uh, the solar panel company can do. All right, last call on solar panels. Please, I'm going to go to Rick. Rick, you're it. Welcome. Hey, how you doing, Eric? Good. How are you? Very good. So here's the deal. I, I had the guy come and, uh, you know, the salesman come, 25-year mortgage at 1%, and their sales pitch was that, you know, you're they're going to go up 10% this year, and they'll continue to go up 3% every year uh, on the, the cost of the power from FP&L. I'm in Florida. So, of course, we have sun all the time. Trees isn't an issue. Uh, my electric bill, I, I'm on a push-pull meter. So whatever excess I generate, they uh, it goes back to the power company. And uh, they'll buy, at the end of the year, they'll buy 10% of the excess and anything beyond that. They sell. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm 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 generating well beyond that. They allow uh, they they size you for up to 15%. And uh, we for the past year we've been very consistent. So they're they're making 5% on me. Now when they put the when they put the, uh, the stuff in, one of the things that uh, I made them put in a contract because they mentioned it. Uh, when I have to replace my roof here in Florida, they do it every 15 years. The insurance companies drop you. But anyway, when you replace your roof, it costs you $30 per panel to have them removed and replaced with the new roof. And that's something that a lot of people don't think about. So when, when all the mm-hmm. dust settles at the end of the month, my power bill from FP&L was $23 a month. I wasn't paying anything for, for power because we were completely handling it through the solar panels. But I still had to pay their their service line fee, which they call it. And so yeah. after a year, what they did was they raised the service line fee. So instead of me paying $23 a month, all of the what they call low usage customers were being darn near doubled. I'm paying now $42 a month. Wow. So now my between my mortgage payment on, on my panels plus the $42 a month, I'm um, um, just a little bit less than where I would have been had I been just paying for electric flat out. And then, you know, in addition to that, I'm going to have to pay $30 a panel with a new roof. And last but not least, which we just found out two months ago, our insurance company dropped us, and we can't get another insurance company to take us because the there's a high fire risk on the push-pull systems. Huh. That they yeah that they use on these so we're now on the Florida has a uh, like a, what do they call it like an assigned risk policy so uh-huh. my homeowner's insurance is double what it would normally be because of the solar panels and it's the only good company grief. that we can get to insure us yeah uh, so it's not it's not a good deal yeah I yeah mean, look you have I, to, I, Again, I, and look, I got to let you go there, Rick, because I really got to take a break. But again, it's it's your your mileage may vary with them. If you can do them, afford them, and it works for you, God bless you. But the idea that there's some sort of panacea or that we should be telling poor people uh, you can save money by doing this if you pay all this upfront cost. It's really a terrible thing to be selling to the lower middle class and poor people, and it's really a terrible thing for our entire power grid to be backed by this stuff. It just doesn't work out, but you can't convince the left of this because it's become religious orthodoxy. Everybody asked me about bowl and branch sheets. I actually put up a picture the other day. We got some at our house because we order from them. We actually are customers. And they're like, oh my gosh, are they really that good? Yes, they get softer every single time you wash them. I mean, they use 100% organic cotton threads. They're super soft. 
you get such a good sleep. They have just a great weight to them. Like I had a pair of sheets we actually threw away when we replaced them with Bull and Branch, where is they were just like too light and also not very soft. The Bull and Branch, they're perfect. The drape across your body when you sleep, absolutely perfect. Bull and Branch uses the highest quality threads on earth for superior softness, for a better night's sleep. They've got over 10,000 stellar reviews. Their signature sheets come in nine neutral colors in all sizes from twin to California king. You will feel the difference. And they're 100% free from toxins. No pesticides, no formaldehyde, no harsh chemicals. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at BolandBranch.com. That's BolandBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code is ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here. One more phone call, not on solar panels, thankfully, before we move on with the show. Glenn, welcome to the Eric Erickson Show. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fine. Hey, um, you were talking earlier about Davy Crockett and uh, the Congress voting to give the widow of uh, War of 1812 uh, veteran yeah. uh, money for the house that burned down, and then the farmer of, of Crockett's district asking, what gives you the right? Well, Biden is Biden has forgiven, what, $32 billion in student debt? and uh, But he, that's not even going through Congress. What gives them the right? Exactly. What, what, what's, the, what's the legal basis for this? I mean, not to mention the, the legal basis for what he's ignoring law on the border, but I just wanted to get your take on that since you're such a, you know, you're – you're educated in the well so this is the problem here first of all he he hasn't done it yet but they certainly look like they're inclined to do it i saw the left over the weekend ilhan omar uh rashida Tlaib, and others continuing to push on this uh they think they can do it and they claim it's not going to cost taxpayers money because the money's been borrowed by the federal government this is going to infuriate a lot of people who are already moving to the gop the uh the number of people headed towards the GOP who are burned by the white wokes, the college-educated people. I mean, there are far more people in this country who do not have student loans than have them. And the fact that those who do not have them or have them and paid them off are now going to have to pay off and hold the bill for the others, they can say that you and I won't be stuck with the tab all they want, but we know ultimately it was the federal government's money that paid for these student loans and that money the federal government's money comes from us they can try this it is going to be a deal breaker with the electorate just watch just watch them try it hello there it is eric erickson here the phone number is 877-973-7425 If you would like to be on the program, you're more than welcome to try. But we have to talk about this story in the New York Times over the weekend. I couldn't believe when I heard people talking about it. And yet here it is. Kind of tells you everything you need to know. So the story uh, title is how a storied phrase became a partisan battleground. A touchstone of political and social discourse. The nearly 100-year-old phrase, the American dream, is being repurposed by critics. Critics say it's distorted, particularly by Republicans of color. That's right. 
if you're a Republican of color, what a dumb phrase, Republican of color. But if you're a Republican of color, you're distorting the phrase, the American dream. You got that? Listen to this. Juan Siscomani is a Republican who washed cars to help his Mexican immigrant father pay the bills and is now running for Congress in Arizona. Has been leaning on a simple three-word phrase throughout his campaign, the American dream. To him, the American dream, a nearly 100-year-old idea, weighted with meaning and memory, has become something not so much to aspire to, but to defend from attack. President Biden and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi are, he says, in one ad, destroying the American dream. With a border crisis, soaring inflation, and schools that don't teach the good things about America, for decades, politicians have used the phrase, the American dream, to describe a promise of economic opportunity and upward mobility of prosperity through hard work. It's been a promise so powerful that it drew immigrants from around the world who went on to fulfill it generation after generation. Political figures in both parties employed the phrase to promote both their own policies and their own biographies. Now, a new crop of Republican candidates and elected officials are using the phrase in a different way, invoking the same promise, but arguing in speeches, ads, and mailings, the American dream is dying or in danger, threatened by what they see as a rampant crime, unchecked illegal immigration, burdensome government regulations, and liberal social policies. Many of these Republicans are people of color, including immigrants and the children of immigrants, for whom the phrase first popularized in 1931 has a deep resonance. Oh my gosh. And then they target Myra Flores in Texas, who says Democrats are destroying the American dream. Says the American dream was a marquee theme last year when some Sears, a Jamaican-born Marine veteran who's now the first woman of color to serve as the state's lieutenant governor, Jason Miria, how do you say, Mayares, the attorney general, who I've met and can't say his last name, that's embarrassing. Sorry, man. Um, and and that we need to defend the American dream. Here's the, oh, oh, and of course, wait, 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 wait. The Republican Party is using it as a dog whistle, says Christina Greer, an associate professor of political science at Fordham. They are saying here is the potential of what you can have if we can exclude others from stealing it from you. This is nonsense, of course. This is essentially the, the, the Democrats have a problem. The problem the Democrats have is a growing number of black and Hispanic people and Asians voting for the Republicans. And the only thing the Democrats have in their intersectional vocabulary is racism. Along come a bunch of non-white Republican candidates who say they want to defend the American dream. And the only way the New York Times can structure it is, oh, they've bought into white supremacy. That's it. They've bought into white supremacy. That's the claim. That they're making it something that must be protected, not something to be given. And yet, Let's go full circle to the beginning of the show today. The NBC News poll conducted by Heart Research and Public Opinion Strategies, a Democrat and a Republican pollster, find that for the first time, a majority of Americans believe that our best days are behind us, not ahead of us.
sounds like the Republicans know where the pulse is. That you want to give the American dream to future generations and yet it's being destroyed and a majority of Americans seem to agree with that. It's the left that is tone deaf and behind. You have the New York Times essentially trying their best to claim that black and Hispanic and Asian Republicans are hijacking the phrase, the American dream, and attacking people with it and and making it uh, limited and exclusionary. Uh, You've got a professor, Christina Greer, claiming that it is a a dog whistle, except it's a dog whistle. You know, they used to say it was white people. Oh, and of course, Christina Greer is a a black ethnics uh, professor. Uh, Race, Immigration, the Pursuit of the American Dream is her book. Uh, she, she's a left-wing professor, Clay works with the Grio, of course. So this is an, a woman whose entire operation sees the world through a racial lens. And so, of course, these non-white people are using white people dog whistles. That's what it is here. The woman whose entire worldview is premised on seeing the world through a racial lens thinks that these non-white Republicans are using it as a dog whistle, claiming that others are stealing it from you. This isn't the argument that these people are making, and she clearly doesn't know, and the New York Times doesn't really try to get it for you. It's not that others are stealing the American dream for you. It's that the American dream is becoming impossible because of democratic policies. The Democrats are trying to teach you that the American dream is a racist idea. The Democrats are trying to teach you that racism and, and is woven into the fabric of American society, that the country is systemically racist, that the country itself is bad and delegitimized because of slavery and we haven't overcome it. And it's these non-white candidates who are defending the idea that you can immigrate to this country legally And you and your family can have the American dream, but you won't be able to have it if the Democrats get their way because the Democrats find the American dream bad. It is laughable that this is where we are with the left, but this is the level of intelligence on the left right now when it comes to these arguments. They don't know what's happening, and that's the key takeaway here. The New York Times is running a major story claiming non-white Republicans are using the American dream as something that must be defended and not something that's obtained and that it is repurposed. A nearly 100-year-old phrase, the American dream is being repurposed, particularly by Republicans of color. They have a left-wing professor who says they're using it as a dog whistle, claiming that it's being stolen from people. Actually, what these non-white Republicans are suggesting is that it must be defended by future generations and that they will go to Congress and defend the American dream because Democrats have betrayed the American dream. They're making it impossible for you to obtain it because of taxation, government regulation, government spending, the crime wave, an insecure border, and the like. And the New York Times doesn't know how to handle it. The reporter doesn't know how to handle it. Jasmine uh, Uloa doesn't know how to handle the fact that non-white Republicans are processing how to embrace and defend the American dream. The liberal professors quoted don't understand how non-white people are using it. And so they immediately go back to racist tropes. 
when white Republicans say the American dream, the Democrats hear racist dog whistles. And so when black Republicans say the American dream, they hear racist dog whistles. They claim that these people have embraced white wing, white supremacy, white wing, not right wing, white supremacy. And they can't figure out how to talk about it differently. And that's the amazing thing here is that these non-white Republicans have figured out how to talk about the American dream to audiences that transcend race, how to defend the American dream, how to promote the American dream, what we can do to get back to giving people access to the American dream. And the left is clueless about that conversation. And here's racism where there is none. By non-white people, they hear racism because these people talk about defending the American dream. What it says is that the left has a weakness that they're not even aware of. It is that by seeing the whole world through a racist lens, a racial lens, they can't understand that many people are moving beyond the color of people's skin and really are focusing on the content of people's character like Martin Luther King Jr. wanted. And so many people on the left stand to lose money and be out of jobs when people do that because their entire world is to focus on race and racism and racial ideas. As the American people move on from it, they're out of work. And so they must scream louder about race and racism and try to get people to care and try to get people to focus on race and racism. It's not going to work for them. It's not going to work. They're not going to be able to do it. And yet they're going to try. They're going to try real hard. The Republican Party is seeing an influx of non-white people non-white voters, non-white candidates. Overwhelmingly, they're, they're predominantly Hispanic, but they're also black and Asian Republican candidates moving into the fold. It's a sign that perhaps the social ills that have been presented by the media don't really align with what's going on in America. It's a sign that the Republican message of free markets and free people and equal opportunity, not this obsession over seeing the world through racial lenses, is actually working. It's a sign that maybe the Democratic Party needs to move on, but the Democratic Party can't move on because the Democratic Party is hijacked by a whole bunch of people who really do see the world through skin color. They've made skin color an idol. I've got a piece in World Magazine that's out today on uh, the Democrats' racial idols in schools where in Minneapolis, the schools are failing. The kids are not literate. They're not reading at grade levels. And for years, they claimed that there was no magic bullet to solve the problem. And you know what? They found their magic bullet. Do you know what it is? It's during layoffs to fire white people before non-white people and to hire non-white people before hiring white people to put skin color first, not qualifications, not skills, but to put the color of one's skin ahead. And that's now where they're finding their problems. That's now how they're going to solve the literacy problem by being racialists. It is an idol on the left, this, this obsession with race. It's, it's idolatry. They're worshiping skin color. They're determining lives and life fortunes and livelihoods and how they see the world and how they hear the world and how they listen to other people in the world 
based on the color of one's skin. And when one says things, does things, lives things, and preaches things and practices things that do not comport to the race stereotypes of the left, they're considered to have embraced racist, white-wing, white nationalist tropes when really they've actually become the ones to embrace the American dream and now want to defend the American dream. And the only game the left has is to scream racist at these non-white people. It's why the left is not going to win. But in the process of losing, they're going to wreck the economy. So you may want to reach out to my friends at Goldco if you got $50,000 or more in your retirement fund and you want to use precious metals to try to help with the ebbs and flows of the stock market, stock market crashes, and inflation, which is going to be here for a while. You can reach out to my friends at Goldco at 855-904-5933. Get a free wealth protection kit from them. Learn how to use gold and silver to protect and grow your money. Thousands of retirees are protecting their retirement savings. Many are getting tips thousand dollars or more in free silver for doing it call my friends at goldco find out how you qualify for their special offer they've helped thousands of americans they want to help you just call goldco see if they're a good fit for you 855-904-5933 or you can also text my name eric e-r-i-c-k to 33777 text eric to 33777 i'll send you gold coast number see if they're a good fit for you in dealing with precious metals in your retirement portfolio hello there it is eric erickson here so uh, there's a story out uh it's in the new york times and i just find it remarkable the headline is how to protect against monkeypox as school starts experts say Children are not a high risk of infection, but they have advice for everyone from toddlers to college-age kids. And I was shocked the advice was avoid orgies. It's not not the advice at all. My gosh. Um, With more than 98% of those infected with monkeypox are adult men who acquired the virus through intimate contact with other men. In other words, gay men having sexual relations. There have been a dozen pediatric cases. Overwhelmingly, you will not be surprised to learn that those pediatric cases are in households that are same-sex male couples. Notice they're not really saying that. Um, Yes, it is true. Indirect contact and environmental contamination is not a major source of transmission. However, there have been a couple of documented cases, as far as we can tell, that there are people who did come into contact with men who participated in orgies who then got monkeypox from encountering those people. Um, The crazy thing here, though, is this whole idea that, well, uh, a dozen kids in the country have gotten monkeypox and less than a dozen, rather less than a dozen. So 10, maybe 10 kids in the country have gotten monkeypox. So we need to do an entire story on how to prevent your kids from getting monkeypox. When 10 kids in a nation of 335 million people have gotten it. Uh, And of course, and of course, now children under 18 can get the vaccine for monkeypox. So if you're concerned, you can get your kid a monkeypox vaccine. We're undermining people's faith in vaccines generally by the specific push for vaccines in unnecessary cases, including COVID, by the way. There really is no need for your kid to get a COVID vaccine. 
And in fact, a lot of kids aren't getting COVID vaccines. Their parents aren't pushing them. I see no reason that your kid needs a COVID vaccine. Our kids got it because we're in a household with one of us who has a lung cancer. And we wanted to make sure everybody in the house was absolutely protected as best we could. And even then you can still get it. Uh, but the symptoms are not as severe typically. But monkeypox, really, less than a dozen kids in the nation have gotten it. And the New York Times wants to run a big story on how to keep your kids safe from monkeypox. It's real simple. Keep them away from orgies, particularly of the gay variety, and they're not going to get monkeypox. Our public health officials in this country have lost their minds. Uh, there's actually a story. Where's this? Josh Barrow um, had the story. Lena Wynn, you know who Lena Wynn is? She was the head of Planned Parenthood, but she wanted Planned Parenthood to be more than just about killing kids. And so P- Planned Parenthood fired her. She really wanted it to be about women's health care generally and not abortion particularly. So they fired her. Well, uh, Lena Wynn is slated to make an address at the American Public Health Association conference in Boston. And public health academics and activists are upset because they disagree with her on some things. Uh, for example, they say she's fat phobic because she objected to Krispy Kreme's promotion of giving customers daily free glazed donuts with proof of a COVID vaccine because she said, quote, donuts are a treat that's not good for health if eaten every day. Uh, they say she was unethical for mostly endorsing the CDC's recent relaxation of COVID guidelines for schools, and they object to her concern that pandemic-driven restrictions on schools are leading to learning loss, all of which she's right on, even as I disagree with her for being too extreme on stuff. The left wants her silenced because she's not extremist enough, and these are the same people freaking out over monkeypox, infecting less than a dozen kids in the nation.